um, recent subscribers to a seven-day trial of Disney+. Plus. Oh, what are you going to watch on it? Well, Alex wanted to watch Gargoyles. Uh, did you watch Gargoyles when we were kids? I don't think so. I never watched it either. I was always under the impression that it had like an actual kind of complex plot um, and like storyline and things like that. And it was serial. And I found out that one of the main ships and gargoyles is the head gargoyle and a human journalist. Uh Oh, I have a lot of questions. I was really concerned that this was about to take like a gargoyle me too turn. But luckily, what do you mean? That you were going to be like the head gargoyle and then an under gargoyle. And, <laughs> and I was going to have to express concern about, you know, abusive power in gargoyles. But I see now that at least it's someone outside the gargoyle institution. Yes, it's just an interspecies relationship. I don't know why you're objecting. <laughs> because he's a rock. Well, that is very materialist of you. Alex keeps trying to say it's fine because he's not actually a rock. He gets engulfed by rock during the daytime and that at night he is a gargoyle again. But I would just like to say he still has wings and a tail. You are overwhelmingly more prejudiced towards part humans than Alex is. He's not part human. He is our gargoyle. (laughs) (laughs) He's human some of the time. I, I'm not sure. He's a fucking gargoyle all of the time. So during the day, when there's sunlight, he is a stone gargoyle. And at night, when there's no sun, he becomes a purple gargoyle who moves around. Well, you know, it's not for me. <laughs> but <laughs> the heart wants what the heart wants. He's also very male protagonisty. He's very like serious and like hot and tall and buff. He's very noble and heroic. I don't know if this makes him more or less for me. I have to think about it. Anyway, I'll let you know how much gargoyles I end up watching in these in this week, but All right, keep me posted on the gargoyle romance. Yeah, I will. I I don't support this. I would just like to say that I fully do not support this relationship. What's their future? Can they only go out at night? She can't go out during the day. I mean, he'll turn into stone. Not everyone has to do everything together. That's fair, but fully half your time. You you (laughs) cannot be out and about. (laughs) It's true. Like, I guess theoretically, is she like a nocturnal human? I don't know. Like, it seems like a lot of shenanigans go down at night. But look, the entire first episode was like a flashback. It was telling us how the gargoyles came to be and, and whatever, or like their history. So I got very little of the journalist in the first episode. Is it a good theme song? Oh, I don't know. I don't think I've heard it yet. Oh, because the first episode didn't have it. It was just the pilot, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Anyway, welcome to Romcomathon. I'm Kat. And I'm Alex. And today we are here to do a Romcomathon double feature of A Christmas Prince and A Christmas Prince 2 Royal Wedding. Don't you feel so blessed to be with us? I feel so blessed because then in like two more episodes we'll be able to do Royal Baby. Oh god. I did not feel blessed to have to watch these movies for the second slash third time. And I also did not feel blessed to be the girl on the plane who was watching a double feature of these films in the presence of others. (laughs) I watched them like yesterday or like two days ago and then yesterday. 
Um, and it wasn't like the worst ever, but I must say that the reason I was like, mm, Kat is going to have to recap the second one is because I full on fell asleep for like half an hour in the middle of A Christmas Prince 2 and like woke up and was like, huh, I really missed nothing, but also something, I guess. That works out okay because I fell asleep during A Christmas Prince 1 and I went back, but I am not sure that I watched all of it. I mean, that's and- fair. But that one I kind of remembered more of, but I yes. realized like mid-watch that I had clearly conflated the two movies a little bit because I was like, wait, but when is the, and then I was like, nope, that was the second one. And then I think I had also mixed it up with a princess switch because I was like, but I thought they did never visited the orphanage. And then I realized that was obviously some other horrible movie we watched and I'm still not even sure which one. Did, um, Netflix is doing a lot of like princess types of film i'm excited for the night before christmas as well um i was gonna ask are we gonna watch that just like a little sidebar yeah i don't know if we're gonna have time to do that for the podcast but like we could um anyway i felt lucky that people could not see what i was watching most of the time because i was on my phone but then i was like midway through Royal Wedding and I could not bear to watch another moment. So I had to finish it later when I got home. (laughs) I don't hate these movies, but when I'm watching it, I sometimes am like, but what is happening to me? I'm going to be honest. There were long stretches where I listened to the audio while playing a game (laughs) (laughs) because I otherwise could not bring myself to focus. How is that how is that possible? Is it because you downloaded them? No, it's always possible with Netflix. Oh, is it to like exit? Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. It's how I basically live my life and I I thought you knew this because I had a whole thing because it recently became possible to do it with Prime or like oh. sometime in the last few months and I literally think I texted like everyone I know, all my friends and loved ones just to be like I have never been so excited. My life has changed before I could only do this with Netflix and that was why I was forced to rewatch certain shows and not others. But now I think you can also do it with Amazon Prime, but not Hulu. I didn't realize it was possible with Netflix. How did you think I was living my Toy Blast life? I mean, I don't I don't I know you love Toy Blast. <laughs> yeah no that's how like i mean usually it's like podcasts or audiobooks or something but sometimes it'll be like something that i don't need to watch the video of only i realized like i had to keep clicking in to be like any people of color any people of color any people of color (laughs) answer no hardly any people of color no i mean yes um should we recap then sure okay so first we're gonna do a christmas prince the or the classic um, so Christmas Prince 1 is basically about, uh, Rose McIver, who is a journalist. She's like an editor at like a, like a magazine. I was very but confused. by editor, they mean like underling somehow. Yeah, like a junior editor or something. I was a little confused because like, you know, it's like 2017 and I'm like, isn't this a dying art? But you know what? Okay. And... She To be fair, in the second movie, their magazine has gone bankrupt. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, but she has a blog. Yeah, it's fine. She's a terrible journalist, is what you mean to say, but go on. She's really terrible. Um, she gets sent to the foreign nation of 
Aldovia to basically cover the coronation of their next king. Um, the backstory to that is that their old king died like a year ago on Christmas Eve and they allow for like one year of like no kings, I guess. And then at the end of that year, um, someone has to be crowned. And the prince is such a playboy and everything, but like the rumor is he's going to come home, he's going to settle down, he's going to get crowned king. So off she goes, um, skipping Christmas with her very salt of the earth dad who owns a diner. And off she goes to Aldovia. So she gets to Aldovia and they're like, JK, we're not going to do any press conferences. And so she gets the bright idea to sneak into the palace. This palace has no security, not yes, at this all. Was, I was going to say, this is a little bit on the palace, okay? If they had had better security, then this whole thing could have been avoided. So she, They don't ask for ID. No, no. So she sneaks into the palace. They When they catch her, they're like, oh, you must be the American tutor for the princess. And she's like, yes, I am Martha. And they don't ever look at her identification, which seems totally normal and fine for a royal family. So she pretends to be the tutor for Princess Emily, who has spina bifida and is in a wheelchair for optimal uh, heartstring tugging. And she at first like hates her and then a hot second later like loves Amber or Rose MacGyver because Rose MacGyver like treats her like a normal kid. And I was like, okay, but okay. So, um, and meanwhile, Rose MacGyver kind of gets to know the prince, um, Richard, Ben Lamb. Prince Ben Ben Lamb, I guess, and he sucks. Yeah, he he does. Suck. He's like really boring. He is basically white bread the prince, and she is inexplicably into him. Like she finds out that he wasn't really a playboy, and that he's actually like really good hearted, and he just wants to like. Spend I wish time he with- were a playboy. Yeah, he just wants to spend time with orphans, and he's just like rescuing her from like the you know off chance wolf that she runs into in the forest and. All this stuff. Basically, after a while, she discovers that he's not really, he was adopted. And so he's not blood related to the royal family. And at the same time, there's like a conniving cousin who wants to steal his throne. And they almost, it almost works, but then it doesn't. And at the end of the day, he gets crowned prince. He goes to New York and proposes to her and she accepts. They've known each other for a hot second, but she's going to be his wife. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, and she quits the magazine and sets up a blog in her post about the the whole situation goes viral. It's very confusing. In A Christmas Prince 2, we find that marrying someone you've known for 20 seconds and jumping right into a royal life doesn't work out as well as you would think. Having given no consideration to anything about her new life. Um, Okay, so basically in A Christmas Prince 2 Royal Wedding, is that its whole name? I think so. Rose McIver is... Just, like, living this long-distance relationship with King Ben Lamb. For, like, a year. And they're inexplicably flying commercial. Yep. Um, And then she goes, basically, back to Aldovia for her wedding. She basically spends most of the movie astonished that her royal wedding is not all about her, like she pictured. Which is bizarre. It's also, like, shocking to her that she has to give up her, like, journalistic tendencies, which, girl, you think? She is astonished that marrying into a royal family should involve her giving up any of her freedom, which is, like, has she never even seen a movie? It's very strange. It's also confusing because 
she's been engaged to him for the past year. So you would think some of these protocols had been in place the whole time, but apparently not. It was just like suddenly they get sprung on her in like three days before she gets married, which is very strange. I was like, this seems like a massive oversight. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, There's literally a part where they're like, oh, here's your new suite. And I'm like, where has she been staying so far? We know she's been flying back and forth. That's confusing. But anyway, so Rose McIver is unhappy about her upcoming wedding because she wants it to be all about her, which is weird. And she wants to continue to blog about the private affairs of the royal family, which is also weird. And meanwhile, she's not getting to spend a lot of time with King Ben Lamb because after all, he is the king, although a really awful king, because he's apparently trying some economic initiative, which super is not working. But there isn't one goddamn accountant in this country. And they're just like, where is all the money going? And they're like, gee, I don't know. But let's continue on and celebrate Christmas. I cannot express how how stupid of a monarch this man is. <laughs> I recall that last time when so we semi did a recording about this already like many months ago but didn't release it because like think the audio was really bad or something yeah and i remember that at the time you were struck by how fully i hated king richard yes <laughs> and upon rewatch i hate them both <laughs> but i literally wrote at one point why is richard so gormless it is actually shocking that Aldovia is still functional, like barely functional as a country under their leadership so far. But honestly, upon rewatch of this movie, I basically even hated the kid because she has like a subplot where she's upset that her play is canceled. And oh, at princess. one point, she, yes. And at one point she literally says, I have every right to feel sorry for myself. Girl, you are a princess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, but then Rose McIver, like, saves her play, and she's like, how did you move my play to the palace? And I'm like, probably it was super easy because you live in a palace, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> anyway, eventually they, like, sort out the money and figure out that this old advisor of his father's who was supposedly helping them was actually siphoning money off for his, I don't know, offshore account or whatever. And somehow they're immediately able to reconcile this financial situation despite the total lack of an accountant of any kind or council of economic advisors. And he's like, and a Christmas bonus for everyone. Like there are only 10 people in this country. I mean, that's what it seems like. <laughs> it is indeed what it seems like. I, th I think that those are the key points. I mean, oh, the scheming cousin from the previous movie is somehow the hero of the second movie. Yes, and he like gets together kind of with her best friend from New York. Yes, but they also like forgive him shockingly quickly. Yeah, there's like a whole scene where he like, like cousin Simon like basically turns up at like a family like event and everyone is like, Simon, how could you? Because literally he tried to steal the throne from under the king's nose like last, last movie. and Like a then, year ago. Yes. And then like Ben Lamb just goes up to him and it's like, you know what? It's Christmas. And I'm like, what the fuck does Christmas have to do with it? Is it a drop in temperature makes everyone crazy? Like what is happening? <laughs> And it's one of those situations where, like, that advisor guy is like, you know, King Richard may trust you, but I don't. And normally what would happen in the movie is the cousin would turn out to still be scheming. But in this film, the cousin is somehow back on the up and up. 
I know he gets like redeemed in this movie and I don't really understand like literally his whole story in the previous film was that he was a cartoon villain. I think the answer is that the actor was available. Unlike Rose McIver's diner dad from movie one. <laughs> I, don't, I literally didn't remember that from the previous viewing because I think last time maybe we viewed them further apart or something. We did. But I literally wrote, wait, did we change actors for dad? We did. And then I like realized that he said, I feel like a new person. And they make like other jokes about his appearance. And I was like, I did not clock this on my first viewing last year. I can't imagine that any time during this filming of either of these movies that anyone took this seriously at all. No, I cannot imagine that either. It's weird to be like, Rose McIver, you have a TV. Really? Really? Okay. Easy money. Yes. It's so stupid. It requires like two brain cells. I'm just remembering that those like articles about like Netflix's statistics of people who watch The Christmas Prince and then watch it again and then watch it again. And we were like, who are these people? I fully hate myself for having seen this film three times now. I know. I know. And yet... Wait, one more thing about Simon. I, while watching the first movie, was like, I thought he was gay. And then he got with Sophia and I was like, guess he's not gay. And then I was like, oh, I should have remembered that he got with the friend in the second movie. Yeah, it's kind of weird because he is coded a little bit gay um, in the way that like so many villains are. Uh, Indeed, Scar-like. Yeah, so he was like, he was coded a bit bit like that in the first film but then he ends up having kind of like a romance partnership with uh ben lamb's prince ben lamb's ex who turns out who to goes be on evil. to take all his money by the way which yeah. i appreciate yes i was like you deserve that you fully deserve that okay so so many things to talk about can we please start with the incredibly shoddy graphics work <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the adoption certificate that was made in MS Word. <laughs> I was literally like, adoption papers in Aldovia sure are brief. <laughs> they, I think they literally pulled up a Word template and was like, certificate, pick the first one, and then made the adoption certificate for the prince. I believe this Entertainment Weekly article that we linked in our blog post two years ago literally says, like, looks like an employee of the month certificate made an MS Word at a company not trying very hard. It's clear that Netflix has put, like, minimal effort into this film in order to get the maximum return, which I cannot blame them. No, I mean, they are doing a great job at exactly that. Yes, this is extremely minimal effort. Here's the thing, though. This pa- These adoption papers also confuse me because if you pause and read them, they basically say, like, he now has, like, all the rights of the king's children. So, like, he should already be set. But also, I, I feel like the conclusion of the stupid first movie is, like, oh, so novel. Our adopted son is our son. And you're like, yeah, he is your son. But I guess they're royal. But also, it's, like, the whole mystery when she goes on that press conference is her editor being, like, everyone is just, like, buzzing, wondering who will take the throne. And if the prince doesn't take the throne, who will take the throne? And you're like, I'm pretty sure that the whole point of a monarchy is that you know the next, like, 400 people who are going to take the throne. Yes, I I was like, I don't think there's a lot of mystery here. I think we all know. Also, like, what is wrong with this monarchy that girls still can't inherit? Because, like, hello. I know, even in England, they figure that one out. Hundreds of years ago. Yes. It is very weird, though, that the editor was like, gosh, how could I figure this out? And she gets there and the princess is like, oh, yeah, that's my cousin Simon. He's totally going to take the throne if my brother doesn't. <laughs> 
like I, I don't think they're hiding it <laughs> to be fair maybe no one has any idea because no one's ever heard of anyone in aldovia because no one's ever heard of aldovia yes i was a little confused like aldovia where is this country why is this official language english no one there seems to speak like aldovian <laughs> Well, it's always like that, like vaguely British country, Genovia, somewhere in Europe. Yeah, always ends in Ia. Yes. So Richard sucks. He ditched his mom after his dad died and just went like gallivanting around while this widowed woman tried to run this country. He comes back and he's like, you know, I just don't know that I can handle this job. I don't know if I'm up to it. All this self-doubt and everyone's like, of course you're up to it. I don't think he is up to it. He flees from like his press conferences and like other royal obligations. And you're like, as a monarch, like being at your fucking press conference is like your only job. I did find it really weird that like when he was at the orphanage, he just like up and like leaves his mom hanging at the (laughs) microphone and then like they find him and he's like playing with the orphans. And I'm like, I don't know why Rose McIver and the princess's like first act wasn't to be like, yo, man, you are supposed to be over there. Good on you that you just want to hang out and have a snowball fight with these kids, but maybe do it another time. He's also like all mad because he's like, this is a benefit for orphans, not a PR opportunity. You're like, I'm pretty sure that all charitable acts are PR opportunities in this circumstance. And that if you did not do these PR opportunities, the monarchy would be deposed. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Monarchies are just there to look cute. And then in the second movie, I mean, we've already touched upon how he is literally the stupidest person alive, but he is the stupidest person alive. He's just like, oh gosh, I just don't know why this is failing so hard. And it's like, I don't know, man, have you ever heard of an audit? And then like his sister and these random reporters from the US and Simon, who somehow has an economics degree from Oxford. Here's a question. What degree does Richard have? Does he have any degree? Has he learned anything? Did he ever for a second sit in while his dad was having a fucking meeting? Okay, hey, he obviously has a degree in saving girls from lone wolves in forests. Oh, God. Just the one wolf. So weird. Wolves are not known for their solitary lifestyles. You're just like, oh, I see. They could only afford one wolf. They were trying to pull off this Beauty and the Beast moment, and it was just one single wolf. How is it that this ragtag crew of people with no financial expertise are able to solve this financial crisis in like a hot second? And the king has been racking his brain for the last at least several months, it sounds like. Do you also like how Emily, who is what, like 11, is like, oh yeah, I taught myself hacking. Duh, guys, I can totally do this. So this child hacks into like the Hall of Records or whatever, and you're like, this doesn't seem like a good thing for a country. Let's also not let mom off the hook, because think about that scene where they're like opening cards, and they're like, well... This one's not very festive because like a poor person has written in to be like, hey, we're really poor out here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did find that to be like maybe a realistic Scroogey response, but perhaps. But I was just like, these people who claim to be concerned about the people are just here like opening cards being like, guess this will have to wait till New Year's. What is happening? Also, Christmas is a a cult in this country. It feels like a sacred occasion. (laughs) Like their coronations are at Christmas. She's getting married at Christmas. Do you think she was like, I don't know. I'm thinking about a June wedding. And they were like, stop, stop. (laughs) 
like no possible way and she's like i don't know i was thinking about having it outdoors it could be nice maybe we could have like a gazebo and they're like no having something at a time other than christmas I think that they are very confused, though, because, okay, to their credit, Christmas doesn't seem to be a religious holiday, necessarily, because it is the prime minister who is crowning the king, which is strange. Yeah, that was weird. I was also, like, not a Jewish person in this country, I guess, <laughs> like, not one came through during World War II. Also, the prime minister's clearly a bit confused because he runs the coronation like it is a wedding. Yes. Like, it's literally like, if anyone would object, like, or forever hold your peace, and you're like, is this how coronations go? Because I don't think so. No, I was very confused. I was like, in my experience, coronations happen in churches, but... Yes, because the monarch is, like, theoretically gets their power from God. Yes, it did seem very confusing. And they were like, oh, we're just going to coronate him at this ball. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay then. Well, it's nice that it's so secular. It's also nice that they're probably saving on decorations by combining two or three events. That's true. I mean, we now know that this country is low on money, so... <laughs> Yes, I think during the first movie, we were like, why is the Christmas ball and this coronation like seemingly one event? And now we know that it's probably because they're low on funds. Yes, and also the reason why they're constantly flying commercial. <laughs> oh no. And why like the prince is taking cabs from the airport. <laughs> but they sent a car for Rose MacGyver. Yeah, I mean, I guess he was trying to sneak into the country, which seems stupid, like just get a car to pick you up, but... Yes, that does seem like a better way of sneaking. Speaking of the prime minister and the coronation, he also seems... It's odd to me that they were somehow able to have the year-long interregnum, and yet, suddenly, they're like, we couldn't possibly take a second to investigate the validity of the prince's claim to the throne. We must crown someone. Tonight. It's a little mind-boggling the number of very large issues that simply cannot be investigated by anyone but this ragtag journal. Yes. <laughs> Who's like not even a real journalist. She didn't even get a journalism credit working at this magazine. She was like a junior editor and now she has a fucking freelance blog. She is an awful journalist also because if you ever zoom in on her like notes they're amazing. or anything. I'm sorry, they're like amazing. <laughs> she writes fishy at one point. Oh God. She is clearly like a journalist in like 1950. Also, she's working at a print magazine. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. I've always liked how for her two best friends, they were like, oh, let's just squash all the minorities in there. One's black, one's gay. Great. We got them all. Well, obviously they had to get them in in America because then they went to Europe where there are no people of color. Yes. Until the second movie when they have that foreigner designer. Oh, yeah. Who is also real gay. So they were like two in one special. And then the chef is also foreign, but not of color. She's Russian or something, yeah. I think I was just like, oh, spicing it up with foreigners, I see. And then also, in the first movie, there was there was like a jerk writer who was also black. Oh, was there? He's like the douchebag who's being like, just fix my article for me. Oh, at the beginning, yeah. The weird part about that, though, is like, editors are usually more powerful than writers. Yes, but I guess she's a junior editor? I don't know what's going on there whatever there's some reasons i feel like their magazine sunk but 
Um, I will say that my maybe favorite joke is that in the first movie, you're like, what is this magazine called? Beat Now? Now Beat? And then in the second movie, they joke that they cannot remember what the name of the magazine was. That was good. I was like, same, same. Um, I fully miss the whole subplot about Princess Emily's school play. That is the half an hour during which I fell asleep and That's did, not, okay. did not rewind. I, it's unclear whether it's a school play, but it seems to be taking place at like some kind of public or private theater out somewhere because the workers go on strike. Okay. So I was like, is it a municipal play? Is it a school play? Because it doesn't seem to be at a school. Right, because they're not getting paid because of the Aldovian, like the new economic. Or I think they whatever. walk out in solidarity. Somehow this con- this country clearly has like great unions because everyone is on strike. Good on you, Aldovia. I know. I'm like, it's nice that labor law seems to be doing better than the finances, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I reread this Entertainment Weekly article, and the one thing they pointed out that I was like, this is a good point. I had not noticed or I had forgotten this. In the first movie, they're sitting in the diner, and her two friends' dates, like, get their attention through the window by throwing snowballs. And as this writer pointed out, this is a very rude way to get someone's attention. (laughs) They couldn't text. Why would you not just, or even come into the diner? Say hi, what's wrong with you? But literally she was like, or whoever wrote this article was like, you know what, it's New Year's Eve, maybe they're drunk. Part two, King Richard comes to the diner. (laughs) (laughs) This man is a king, the king of a country, and he chooses to get the attention of his would-be betrothed by also throwing a snowball at the window. As if this is the only way that people summon people to the door. But you know what's so funny about the situation, Alex pointed this out, is that that man was clearly hovering outside on the sidewalk, holding a snowball in his hand, just <laughs> waiting for her to come to the window. Like, she would pass by and he would be like, oh, oh, not, oh, oh, no, not now. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hold on. And then she like walks by again. Oh, oh, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, no, not now, not now. And then finally she goes, she's like, oh my God, yes, this is my moment. Yes, I'm gonna throw it now. <laughs> oh, God. He was out there for, like, several minutes, like, waiting for her to, like, be in a good spot. Because otherwise, like, what? What was the point? How would this possibly work? Oh, my God. So he's a very Um, cool man, I'm just saying. So disturbing. He should not be in charge of a country or his own life. He should be committed. I'm just, I'm excited to see what shenanigans they get up to in Royal Baby. I just, I can't imagine what other insipid plotline they're going to scheme. Do you think that in movie three, they will also go sledding? Because they sledded in movies one and two. And I must say, unfortunately, whenever I see people sledding, I think of Ethan Frome. (laughs) (laughs) That's so bad. (laughs) it's just (laughs) it's important that you know isn't that that every time when like he wants to leave his wife or something but she's paralyzed or i don't is that the one he wants to leave his wife with his wife's cousin so then they go sledding and then she gets paralyzed yes i was right okay all right and I think it is maybe because the child already has a thing, but like, especially in the first movie when they go sledding, I'm like, uh oh. But this is like a Hallmark movie. 
I know, but it's because they're sledding downhill and there's trees and in Ethan Frome it happens because they hit a tree, I think. Okay. Like, it's been a few years, but I'm just saying, I'm like, tragedy could strike at any moment while you're sledding. Uh Uh-huh. So to those of you living in cold parts, enjoy sledding. (laughs) (laughs) So my prediction for the third movie, right, is that Uh we 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 don't have a trailer yet, is that she's pregnant because we know that the baby's going to happen on Christmas. So this baby was conceived real soon after the wedding and uh, is going to be born on Christmas or on Christmas Eve. And there's going to be all sorts of royal protocol around this royal baby. But Rose McIver is going to be like, hell no, I don't care that I'm the queen now. I I want my own things for this baby. Like, I'm still a normal person. Oh, God. She's not going to be like Meghan Markle, like so gracious about this whole situation, right? She's going to be like, mm-mm. And then her down-to-earth dad is going to be like, I don't know why we're all treating them differently. I also hated down-to-earth dad. I hate this movie so much already and we haven't even watched it yet. I had so many questions about down-to-earth diner dad, right? When he shows up in the second film, it's like this man has like never known any ounce of courtesy in his life, but somehow he successfully operated a business in New York. Or like been in another person's home or like met a stranger. He's just so rude. And everyone chalks us up to him being like down-to-earth, ah, lol, lol, lol. Like they're royals. And I'm like, no, this man is rude. He's just rude. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Get out. But you know what? They can't throw him out of the palace because they have no security. That's true. So if you had to choose one character from A Christmas Prince to save, all right, all the rest will be nuked. Oh, you're going to say to kill. (laughs) No, no. All the rest will- To save? This is a much harder choice. I know. That's why I asked it. Who would you save? You have to save one. You, You can't let them all get nuked. From the first movie or the second movie? Um, let's say from both films. In the first movie, perhaps I would save uh, the editor that fires her. Oh, okay. Although, no, I don't know. Hmm, who else even exists? Because I think I would save the queen. Oh, interesting. I find her tolerable. She's like too much in movie two, but I don't necessarily mind the protocol lady. Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Avril. Okay. Feels like she's trying to do her damn job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I was thinking from the second movie, I might save the Russian cook. Okay, yeah. Who, you know, is just trying to cook some food. I agree with that. You know what I found really infuriating is in the second film, when Rose McIver is like, my father is going to take charge of the food. I was like, yo, girl, did you just fire the cook from like the job she's good at? Your father ran a diner. (laughs) To be fair, their wedding looked very small and tacky, so who knows? I seem to recall us looking at the, like, cake or whatever and being like, what is happening? Oh, no, 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 no. This was because last year we watched this and the Princess Switch around the same time. And in the Princess Switch, she's basically at, like, a bake-off situation and the cakes are legit plastic. In this one, though. Oh. Yes. In this one, we were like, oh, this cake is a real cake. Like, they could actually cut through it. It's not just, like, a piece of plastic that they, like, stack together. Got it. Did you have best and worsts? I didn't have like a lot, but some. Everything is the worst. <laughs> um, I think at a certain point I stopped writing stuff down, but the first line that I hated was when Rose McIver was talking to the princess and she was being like, brave little girl, like is what yes. I'm thinking about you basically. Yes. In the second movie, I guess I already complained about the princess's 
play situation. <laughs> but Rose McIver is like blogging or something and she's like, Christmas was so lovely, basically. Quote, a great release from the pressure I feel as my life is about to change forever. Somebody run her over. <laughs> she is the worst writer of all time. She is an awful writer. She is an incredibly self-absorbed and naive person. And she should be dropped off a cliff. She really should. I have absolutely no idea why they're into each other. Like, I can see no redeeming factors in either of them, but I guess maybe then they deserve each other. I, I don't Correct. know. They, they are perfect for each other because he is worthless and so is she. Yes. Um, My favorite line probably of the whole two films is when he comes to New York to propose to her and she's like, but we barely know each other. And I'm like, this is <laughs> the only true thing you've said this entire movie. It You do. You barely know each other. I think my favorite line of the second film is, Mr. Moore, you must be exhausted by your journey as we are by your arrival. He is terrible. In conclusion, I cannot believe I have now suffered these films two to three times each. And then one more for the royal baby. Oh my god. But you know what? It's okay. We'll have a palate cleanser of last Christmas in between. Yes, I don't think that looks good either. <laughs> but it looks like they spent more money on it than these. That is true. That and wouldn't be hard. at least Henry Golding has a better face than King Richard, who I fully hate. That's true. That poor man, he has a very bad hairline, and I feel sorry. He's not aging well, but no. that seems honestly accurate to Crown Prince's. Sorry. Yeah. So what would you score A Christmas Prince and A Christmas Prince 2? I looked back at our Ramkamathan blog post, and we scored it like a four or a five or something because we enjoyed ourselves, I guess, and I cannot say that I feel the same about the rewatch. It definitely gets worse upon every rewatch, so I can't say that I would give it a five. If I could give it no smooches, I would. I would probably rate it like a... A two? No, like a three. I still think like it's enjoyable in a very bad way, but it's bad. It's really bad and tedious and just, yeah. Okay, so if we say a three for the first movie, I, the second is worse, right? I think so. The second tries to add like a more complex plot, but it's really bad. Yes, I feel like they overreached by trying to add any plot at all. Yeah, that and then the subplot with like pr the princess's play. I was like, these are so unnecessary. Yes, that really was a hat on a hat situation. I was like, so many people are so upset about their lives, but like, it's very hard for me to take your problem seriously when the kingdom is dying, but it's also very hard for me to take seriously how the kingdom is dying because the like details that they give about the financial situation are so bizarre. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. I love that like whoever wrote this was like mm, minimal effort phoning it in. Yes, <laughs> you get that Netflix check. Indeed. And then he was like, Three cool, here I come. Yeah, I mean, like, look, good good on them. Yeah, so I think for the first one, I would say like a three. And for the second one, I would say like a two. Yes. All right. Um, so after this, this is our holiday extravaganza. Um, so the next episode will be last Christmas. And if readers want to write in and like DM us on Instagram or like on Twitter, just let us know if you have any questions or you have comments you'd like us to talk about. And yeah, like, please follow us on all our social media. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.